1: The Varsity Club Podcast. My name is Derek Peterson. This is an exciting week, so we have the entire Hale Varsity team uh, here with us. I'm just going to kind of go a- across the table as-, as I'm looking at them. Greg Smith is to my left. Greg, how are you?
3: I am well. How are you? Good.
1: Aaron Sorensen is across from me. Hello.
4: Hi. <laughs> I don't get a how am I because he already knows the answer to that, which is...
1: How are you? Scattered.
4: Scattered is the correct word. Yes.
1: Jacob correct. Padilla is to my right. Jacob, how are you? I'm doing well. Good. Brandon is on a computer screen behind me. We zoomed him in this time instead of calling him so he can see the team, but I can't see him. Brandon, how are you?
2: I'm doing well. If Aaron's scattered, I'll be smothered and covered. That's a, that's a waffle, <laughs> waffle House <laughs> reference. Um, yeah.
0: Oh. What? <laughs> You never heard of that at no, Waffle House? I've never been to Waffle House. Mother and Waffle covered House. when it's safe. Brian Brandon, to travel.
4: I'm with you. Again.
3: thank you, Greg.
4: I knew it. Oh, sorry. I like again. Waffle House.
3: Uh, I mean, Waffle Life House is. like
4: withstands like everything. <laughs> well, Hurricanes.
1: That is
3: true. You never heard of? You're looking at us like we're crazy. I mean, I know
1: what Waffle House is, but I'd never heard that phrase before. Oh. I thought it was going in a different direction when he started talking. Um, As we always. What direction it does. would that be? I don't know. Just <laughs> not waffles. <laughs>
3: But now I'm also hungry. It's not really your yeah, first I'm hungry. Your
1: first thought. Um, we we have gathered. I've gathered the team here today. This is an exciting, um, I guess, end to the week. We're recording this on a Thursday morning. Uh, like 24 hours ago, the Big Ten decided, hey, we're going to play football again. So we have the whole team here. We're going to talk about it. I would assume that most of our content moving forward is going to be based off of football and, and Nebraska's return to a football field. Uh, currently, there are four different Hale Varsity podcasts that you can listen to. Aaron Sorensen has one. With, with Sasha, who's in the room as well. She does not have a mic though.
4: She doesn't. Sasha and I actually this is I didn't tell you this. I did not tell Sasha this. So I'm this gonna isn't tell time this to story. Plug your podcast. No, no. <laughs> I'm not going I gotta voting. run through the four.
3: <laughs> Hold on. We're stopping at the <laughs> this one. This is important. Right now.
4: This was a really funny story because Derek, at the end of yesterday, <laughs> so remember when I said I was scattered? So at around like seven or eight PM. On Wednesday evening after the day of just everything, Derek sends me a message and goes, oh, that's right. You dropped a podcast today realized like several hours later that we had dropped a podcast so the mind your own podcast had released an episode and then like maybe 45 minutes later the big 10 was just like here are your answers literally (laughs) that everything we asked about in the podcast they destroyed 45 minutes after because
1: the podcast title was like what "What do we know yeah yeah Yeah. (laughs) and it wasn't a couple it wasn't like shortly after it was like i texted you last night at like I mean close to 9 or 10 o'clock. And I was like, "Oh yeah, you had a podcast that went live this morning."
4: Yeah, you should everyone should still listen to it. It's it You find out how I'm going to spend my old Navy super cash now. So join us.
3: <laughs> but you've already had to re-record right. one before, right?
4: Yeah, so awesome.
3: <laughs> okay, sorry. Okay, sorry. So too soon, too soon. Okay. We did talk All about right. your podcast
4: on our podcast just, though. So you're welcome. Just stop
1: recording on Tuesday mornings, That's basically the thing. <laughs> like, um, You're welcome. So the Mind Your Own Podcast is one that you can get anywhere you listen to podcasts. It's got Sasha. It's got Aaron. Subscribe to it. Uh, leave them a, a review and a, and a star, five star rating. Uh, That's specifically stuff is really five stars. Right thank you. Yes, five stars. You, you got to go five Being or you got to go zero. You like it or you hate it. Five or zero. <laughs> no one <in> between.
2: <laughs>
1: Aaron, is that okay? I don't want to make you like. Don't leave more a zero star review. I don't
4: want that.
1: Okay. So the Mind Your Own podcast, you also have Jay Moore's More To It podcast. You also have a new podcast that that just launched this week with Chris Gorman and Pat Safford called the Red to Black podcast. They had Eric Crouch on as their first guest to kind of talk about transitioning from being a major college athlete to running a business. Uh, it was a really interesting listen, so listen to that. And then obviously the Hale Varsity's, no, the Varsity Club podcast.
0: <laughs> it does belong to Hale Varsity. It does belong so to Hale Varsity.
1: Right. The Hale Varsity's. We're, we're like Ohio State University now. Um, the Varsity Club Podcast. Leave us a, a review, hopefully a five-star rating. Don't don't dock me for calling us the Hill Varsity. Um, the Hill Varsity. And com because we still have a lot of questions. That's what we're here to kind of work through uh, because even though the Big Ten gave some answers that we've been looking forward to for, for months now, there's still a lot of questions, uh, so we're going to have content <clears throat> coming soon hopefully to answer those questions before we get started though i do want to take a second uh because wednesday afternoon and into wednesday evening it it, reports started to surface um from from various people that um scott frost's father has passed away and so i just wanted to take a second and and i speak for all five of us here um we just want to offer our condolences to the frost family um and and, you know let them know that they're in our thoughts right now
4: and if I can just add how special, when you think in hindsight now, that Scott Frost was eligible for the Nebraska High School Hall of Fame starting in 2008, and he turned that down, I, from what I understand a number of times, in the hopes that he would be able to share that with his father in this last fall, 2019, so just about a year ago, they were able to share that together. So you think, you know, taking comfort in something, I'm glad that they were able to have that that moment together knowing how much it meant to them.
0: And then on top of that, the practices that he was allowed, uh, able to, come, uh, yes. to go to and watch. And so Scott being back here the last couple of years allowed them to kind of reconnect a little bit more and had that time together. So that was and good both as well. of his parents were around yeah. Like yeah, quite a bit. fairly frequently. Yep. Like and I remember seeing them.
4: You could see how proud they are of him. So
0: yeah, I think that was a huge part of him coming back too. is just again, family aspect of it. So, okay. Big 10 football. That's kind of,
1: Move to that. We've got some some positive news to talk about. The Big Ten's coming back. It's going to start on October 24th. I asked you guys to, uh, to, to come up with a take. I gave you guys some homework before this podcast. Come up with a take for this segment that we're calling Take Tank. Something spicy about spicy. anything that has happened <laughs> over the last month. I said start on August 5th. When the Big Ten announced its its second schedule, we're going to get a third schedule here in a, a week or so, start on August 5th, and it goes until Wednesday. That's your timeline for your take. Brandon gets to go first. Brandon, do you have a, a hot take to share with the group?
2: It'll probably be pretty low on the Scoville scale, um, but a team from the West is going to win the Big Ten. Okay. Ohio State is a huge favorite, a deserving favorite, minus 240 according to various online sports books in May. That equates to a 70% chance that Ohio State wins this. The Buckeyes still have a huge talent advantage over the rest of the league, like almost an incomprehensible one, and they are deserving favorites still. But 70% chance in May, back when we all thought like, "Oh, of course they'll play football." Um Through everything that's happened over the past couple of weeks, maybe winnows that down to 50 or 40%, which is pretty low for for Ohio State. Those same odds had Wisconsin plus 1,000. That's about a 9% chance. Nebraska at plus 2,000, 5%. And Iowa at plus 2,500, so 4%. I don't know which of those teams I would consider the favorite out of the West, probably Wisconsin still, because they're just the most machine-like. But in a year, if you just play out a season on a normal schedule with everything normal leading up to it, Ohio State's just a machine. What we have here is a little bit of chaos. So I think it diminishes Ohio State's advantage at least a little bit, enough to the point where I'm willing to roll the dice and say, a West division team wins it.
1: Would you like to go out on a limb and pick that West division team?
2: Um, No, (laughs) but (laughs) if I had to, I would pick Wisconsin. Um, But I mean, I think, so I think, I think Wisconsin's right there. I think Iowa is probably there. They're also pretty machine-like, but I think Nebraska is, is in that group of three for me. Minnesota and Purdue aren't because their opt-outs have been some of the most damaging in my mind. Northwestern's a little bit. Northwestern's going to be good. I think
4: they can't, they, I mean, they're coming out of Lake Michigan as we speak.
2: Oh, man. <laughs> That's true. We all saw them rise from Lake, <laughs> from Lake Michigan. Michigan. From Lincoln, <laughs> and you really from like free, freezing Grant. cold Lake Michigan in full pads. Um, <laughs> And they're going to be good. They're going to be a problem for teams. But I I don't think they win the West. So Wisconsin, Iowa, and Nebraska, one of those teams is winning the Big Ten.
1: I think somebody asked us for, like, East-West projections, like who we thought would win in the mailbag recently. And and before Minnesota had opt-outs, I was thinking Minnesota that they were going to, like, continue to climb and it wasn't going to be a one-year blip. And now with their opt-outs, I'm kind of thinking, yeah, it's probably going to be Wisconsin again. Feels like the safe answer to make.
3: But, uh, but, okay, I, I think you hit on something important there by saying it's the safe answer, and I think Brandon was kind of maybe sort of leaning that way too based on the safety of it. In that, like, But at some point, and I, I keep being proven wrong on this, this has to end for them. Don't right? go there yet.
1: Don't go there yet. Okay. Because I feel right. like I know I, which team you're wanting to replace them with. Don't go there yet. <laughs> okay. I, w- I won't do it. I
3: won't do it. But they lost a lot. Like, they did. Yeah, they did. I think Brandon's take is pretty hot. I was not expecting that. Not so, expecting yes, I think that, that counts. That's really lead off Well, Ohio State's not with. winning the Big Ten. Yeah.
1: Aaron, you're up next. What do you got?
4: My, my take was going to essentially be, it's not quite as bold and spicy as Brandon's, but I was going to say that it won't ultimately matter for Ohio State. They're not going to make the playoff. So, all of this... If you, believe the, if you believe that the Big Ten as a collective group decided all 14 schools to come back just so Ohio State can have a shot at the playoff, it won't matter. Um, that was going to be, but Brandon's is better. So I've been sitting here trying to think of something else very quickly. But Pick
0: I, Nebraska to make the playoff instead. Yes, Nebraska
4: is going <laughs> to make piggy the off, playoffs. Piggyback it's off his year. take. And- this is it. Um, no, I do think that there's a level of chaos, though, that is going to ensue this mm-hmm. year so okay i'll add I'll add a a little piece to all of this. How about this? If you're looking at just the schedule, I do not think I do not think that this season happens in full for every team in this conference yeah, aren't they? it's the the, the
1: started with schedule and I thought we don't have a schedule yet. Well, we and know there will be technically
4: nine games, right? Eight plus, yeah. one.
1: eight plus one. I said this to Greg on the drive here. You could get a team that plays eight, and you could get a team that only plays like five or four. Yeah.
4: Right, because based on the – and we know how strict the Big Ten is being with their red, yellow, green ordeal, which is fine. It's
1: orange. It's not yellow. Oh, I'm so they sorry. Mi- they missed an opportunity to call it the stoplight protocol.
3: <laughs> oh, man. Of all oh, – They met 125 and times and them. didn't have that.
1: They went with the orange um, instead of yellow. It was a missed opportunity. So. Well
4: – Okay, here's my bold take. Mississippi will win the big time.
1: <laughs> Don't explain it. Yeah, no, just explain it. Yeah, just <laughs> drop your mic and walk out of the studio now. I think, I like, I like I think you win take. this episode already. Okay, that's good. Uh,
0: well, take so uh, that's an issue because that was kind of where my take was going. Is Mississippi? The number, yes. well, yeah, yeah, Mississippi. <laughs> just the number of games, and I think – the big 10 is going to continue to take a lot of heat throughout this season because there are going to be issues. Teams aren't going to be able to play their full schedule. And because of this entire process where they back themselves into eight games in eight weeks, they're just going to have a tough time playing enough games again to get in the, um, to have strong play uh, college football playoff um, consideration um, to actually, to having uh, enough games for everybody to, determine uh, like an, a, a clear conference champion or whatever. It'd be interesting to see how we end up with tiebreakers and that kind of stuff uh, and that kind of thing. Um, and I just kind of think back. So now th- they're talking about um, the, the evolution of the understanding, the medical science and all that kind of stuff. And they're talking about the uh, the rapid testing. And it just seems like way back when they, they weren't, they wouldn't admit that that was why, like the, the testing issues, the, the kind of the main explanation was just the uncertainty of everything and the long-term impacts and all that kind of stuff. That seemed to be the the reason they were giving back then. And now that it's back, they're talking about oh, um, pointing towards the the rapid testing availability and all that kind of stuff. And like this, the long-term uh, issues we still don't totally understand it. So I don't, I just I don't understand kind of the thought process of. of how we got to this point where it's eight games in eight weeks. It seems like if the testing was the issue, they could have handled it more like some of these other uh, conferences and yes, delayed the start, but didn't wipe it off entirely where you had to come back. And um, it seems like they didn't really weren't thinking ahead enough to make this as I guess uh, as give themselves the greatest chance of having a season Um, as as full as possible in this year. So I think there are going to be issues with teams um, getting through the schedule. We're seeing it all, we're already seeing it with every other conference that has started football ready with postponements and cancellations. We're seeing it in high school every week, a different game is dropping out. Heck, Derek, you're impacted by this this week. Um, So it just, I just have a tough time them being able to see everybody play seven or eight games in eight weeks at this point.
1: They certainly painted themselves into a corner because before they had, was it the Django 41 schedule that they called it? They had they had flexibility yeah. all over the board. They had two bye weeks for teams, and then they had December 12th and December 19th as, like, open dates to, to flex in, postpone games. And now it's like, you don't get a game in, you don't get a game in. Mm-hmm. Sucks to suck. So it's – um I think that part of it is going to be really interesting to Ain't watch it- because –
4: it's all because they want to try to give somebody. Because if you have the championship, it has to be on the 19th because mm-hmm. that decision is being made yep. the very next day. So there's no wiggle room at this point. Like, absolutely not. If anyone is like, well, why don't they just like push a week or two? The decision is being made by the playoff committee on that, on the 20th. The 20th is not changing. So you got to get everything done before the 19th. Like, the 19th is it. There's no like extra that thing is going to press on the 20th <laughs> there's no extra room
1: <laughs> would it have been worth it to play this uh, a season say an eight game season with 2 bio bi-weeks built into it if you didn't get to play in the,
3: the playoff no no, yeah, the, the yeah. ultimate point is to try and get yourself in position in some way, shape, or form with one of the teams, not Ohio State, according to us, um, to be able to be in the playoffs. So, yeah, and, hold on. Can we
1: talk about the fact that, that we opened this podcast with two takes bashing Nebraska's new best bud in the conference? Like, you guys got to be on <laughs> I was like, here. I would al-
3: already forgotten that they were best
1: buds. <laughs> like, Nebraska and Ohio State are, are, are great friends now. Why are you guys
4: talking down? Does Ohio down? State know that? Hey, hey I've, I, I, mean, saw, I saw
0: in Ohio State use the fan hashtag #GBRGoBucks. Like it's all one hashtag. Their that. fan, fan base on
1: social hand hand media, media I, I, they're just as invested as, yes. as, as, as Nebraska fans. It seems just for, on social media. In now, the
4: friendship.
1: Social media, yeah. Yes. <laughs> but we talked about this they can totally be invested in the friendship because they're not afraid of losing to Nebraska. <laughs> no,
4: they're like, this is great. Not only are you guys fighting for us, but we're also going to kick you in the mouth a hundred times. I am Whoa.
1: interested to see what happens if Nebraska, say, loses against Ohio, if Ohio State stays on the schedule and Nebraska loses to them by maybe double digits or something like that. I am interested to see what the feelings are. And, and I don't think this is – like, I think it's – whatever. I don't know. It. I mean – who am I to say people can't have some joy right now? I guess I thought initially my, my knee jerk reaction was like, this thing is dumb, but I mean, like if you want to be friends on Twitter and, and hype each other up, then go for it. But like, I am very curious to see what happens whenever the two teams
4: play. I will say one of my, like from a media perspective, one of the schools that I've actually known the best since Nebraska joined the big 10 has been Ohio state, their media their media core has always been fairly kind and welcoming to Nebraska. And so when we've traveled, they're the one program where I do know the most amount of people in the press box because Mm -hmm. they've, they've sort of always been, that's my experience. I'm just talking Mm -hmm. about me personally. Um, So I guess it's not overly surprising, but it is a little bit weird to see just like, it's very, it's, it's, some people need to tone it down just a tad, <laughs> just a little bit. Like maybe take like a couple of beats and just reflect on the way you're acting on the internet.
3: That's good advice for a lot yeah, of right things yeah. Like I, I was just going to let that sit, but yeah. I was like, no, I got to say no. something about like that one. No, that's good advice for a lot of different things right now. So, and
0: back to the original question. I agree with Greg because and it would be one thing if you did push it back to the spring and then try to have a full game schedule, or whatever. Playing it so close to like playing while the uh, other conferences are having their teams picked for the postseason, I just think that would be a really bad look for both the players and then just the, the appearance of the conference as a whole.
1: Also, if you started on October 24th and tried to build in two bye weeks, you'd probably be playing your championship game around the time the semifinals are taking place. Yeah, which would be dumb. Yeah. So now, if Greg, your take is up. Do you have a hot take that can match? what we've already seen?
3: I don't know, because the more I think about it, I don't, Brandon did not think his take was spicy, but it, that's been the spiciest one so far, I think. Um, mine is more big picture. It didn't have to do, sorry, Aaron, didn't have to do um, with the schedule or the teams or anything like that. I, the thing I keep thinking about is, is that, we're in a place now with the league where things are never going to be the same. Like there is just no way to come back from some of the things that we've seen um, throughout this time period, since the, that schedule release show and the big party that was had um, until now where obviously you have players. I keep wanting to say parents, but it's actually the players that are suing um, the big 10 conference. You have the most prominent coaches within the league league like going on tv and radio to just openly take shots at the conference like that in itself i feel like kind of got pushed to the side and just like cheerleaded by so many different people because they were also angry with the conference so they were like yeah go ahead james franklin go on three radio shows a week and bash the conference um you have all the then the different reports in response to that about whether or not the presidents and Kevin Warren were reacting to that. Um, You have, speaking of the reports, you have all of the misinformation that was out there throughout this entire thing. Um, You have the national media versus the local media in various markets. Like There were just so many subplots and things that happened during all of this that I just think there's no coming back from. But the biggest overarching one is, to me, I don't know that you can ever have things be the same from your conference being sued by players within it. Like that's going to have some sort of, of repercussion and effect down the road whether or not it happens again or now, if there's another decision that people don't like, will people now think, hey, we can just sue because nothing can really happen bad to us besides us get embarrassed or maybe called out by national media. Like it, it, there's just a lot of things now that are just out in the open and that are up for grabs that just previously weren't there before.
4: I will say it's interesting speaking of the lawsuit itself, the big tens lawyer made a comment the the initial day that they went to court to start that process, which has now been dropped. Mm-hmm. Um, but he made a comment that if that had been allowed to continue forward or say something had been awarded in favor of the players, it would have set a precedent that like would not have been able to come back from. And, even though the lawsuit has been dropped, I think that already has happened oh, yeah. to a degree. I, so I agree with you. I think, I think there has been a precedent that has been put in place now, where we've talked about this on a number of cases. Student athletes are are finding voices on so many on so many levels, and whether you, um, I don't know, consider this them finding a voice or whatever it might have been, it, it, they certainly put they certainly used what they felt like the muscle they had to go against the conference. I guess we'll see. It's, it's, it's really interesting in my opinion, but I do think just there's going to be a lack of trust in a lot of areas and a a little bit of, um, I don't know. People are going to have to, there's going to be some work that needs the, some things that need to be repaired. Some work will have to be done.
1: I think they scared the league specifically with that lawsuit. Like, Jacob and Brandon and I had, was it last week's podcast where we talked about this a little bit? Or maybe it was the week before, and I was really critical, and I've been really critical of the lawsuit. I thought, initially, I thought the thing was going to get thrown out immediately. I didn't think there was any way that a judge was going to allow it to continue. I talked to people that said it was dumb, and, and I kind of thought, at, at the time, I thought it was dumb. The more I've thought about it, especially you know now that we've seen <laughs> they dropped it within hours of the Big Ten coming out and saying, okay, we'll play football. Maybe the only point was to just scare the Big Ten into doing what they wanted. I mean.
4: They, I mean, we know they weren't asking for money. They it, had yeah, that right away. Exactly. They had no mm-hmm. desire to have any money come from it.
1: And if that, it, to that point, it worked. And and it, it didn't get thrown out immediately. It didn't get shot down immediately. A judge sided with them and said, yeah, the Big Ten's going to have to produce some documents here. I think they had the Big Ten on their heels a little bit for a couple of weeks. And I think that was the point. And to, to your point, Greg, that's kind of scary to think about moving forward if you're in the Big Ten League office. Because all it takes is, is a handful of people to find a lawyer ballsy enough to say, okay, we'll sue you.
2: So. Yeah. That it took mere hours for that lawsuit to basically be dropped, told you the intent, um, yeah. in, in my opinion. Um, and you know to to what Aaron was talking about the the big Ten legal team's that kind of initial statement, what a horrible precedent to send to set that essentially the people who are essential to driving the value that can pay out 54 million dollars a year to each big Ten team ask for accountability. And at the time I kind of, I, I understood it from the big 10 legal team's perspective, but when you stopped and asked like, what are they actually saying in my mind, that's what they're actually saying It's like, we don't want to be accountable to that level of scrutiny. And if there's a like long ranging effect from everything that's happened, Maybe that's it. Maybe it was another step in that direction towards, I don't know if player empowerment is the word, but just, well, a more level playing field is probably the the right way to phrase that.
4: I will say something, though, you made me think of, and this is this is sort of a hot take within the hot takes discussion. I almost wonder if ultimately this lawsuit and everything that has happened around this decision with the Big Ten actually provides more momentum towards name image and likeness. And the reason I would attach those two together is it did show that the student athletes I like I said when they're finding their voices on so many whether it's social justice issues, issues or something where they're holding their own teams and their own conferences accountable, they're asking for accountability, they're they're moving more and more toward these schools and conferences having to recognize them as employees and as an employee if you're if you're going down that NIL pathway you you can't just say we're not going to tell you you have to be held accountable to what you're doing and it's changing the way that these conferences have always have always worked i mean the NCAA still rules like that the NCAA still very much rules as do as we say and don't ask questions that's not that's not the name of this game any longer people are actively stepping up and saying, no, we would like you to explain yourself. And I think in the Big Ten's case, they weren't quite ready for somebody to challenge them to the level that they were.
1: I definitely thought you were going to take it a step further than just oh. NIL. Oh. I think within the de- within a decade, we're going to have unions in college football, well, or at least college athletics. See, that's where I Once was going Once you gonna- get
4: into the name image likeness thing, you do start to have unions, and Trevor Lawrence, I think, would have been like the perfect union leader this year. <laughs> it's going to be
1: yeah. a player's union, I think, within a decade, which will... It it will fundamentally change college athletics, but I think too that the coronavirus has exposed every single crack in the foundation that the NCAA has. Yeah, because I think it's it's probably a good thing.
3: Probably because I think we're just at a point now where college athletes in general, and, it, and this isn't just specific to them. I think it's just across the country. People don't just want to be told something, um, especially when, to Brandon's point, they're um, kind of the breadwinners in this equation where the players are the ones driving um, the financial piece of this, as we've seen by all of the different measures that each conference is putting in place to allow them to play, right? Um, so if they can then come back and say, if we're worth all of that, we should then in turn – at least be able to have a seat at the table to be involved in these decisions. Like I think the days where you don't involve any of your players in decisions are, are coming to an end. Like you're just going to have to consult them or at least get their input on these things. And that kind of, I, I, I was surprised that that didn't actually come up more actually with this whole thing with the big 10, because it was being talked about for a while. Um, but then it just kind of fell by the wayside and there was just so much noise going on around everything. I want to move us forward because I want to get more into talking about kind
1: of news that came down Wednesday. But um, I'll give you my take because it's kind of a, an easy segue into the next topic that I would like to discuss. My take is I think I think there is going to be some kind of on-field impact that Nebraska is going to experience with its football team this year that, that will come as a result of the last month of just complete, an undeniable unity from the fan base to the chancellor and president of the university to the athletic department's athletic director to support staff within the athletic department to the head coach, to the assistant coaches, to the players. They're like every single one of them is on the same page. And Colin Miller tweeted on Wednesday, Nebraska against the world, And I think that that sentiment within the athletic department, within the football team, within the fan base, I think that's very real. I think that's going to have, I don't know what it's going to be. I don't know what the impact is going to be. I don't know if it's going to be, you know, you can measure it by saying Nebraska won an extra game just because they were a tighter knit group and the culture was better. I don't know what it's going to be, but I think there's going to be some kind of impact that will come from, you're like smirking at me and I'm not (laughs) enjoying it. I wish There's- everyone
4: could have like seen my reaction when you said Nebraska against the world because every every moment of Bo Pelini's career just came <laughs> right back into my mind. Right no, or wrong, I think it's a thing.
3: To experience that. Do, but I do think you think it's going to be a thing? I have a, a quick follow up though to that, Derek. It's do you trauma. think that that matters yeah. more? No. <laughs> do you think that the Nebraska versus the world and the team kind of galvanized together? Because I agree with your premise. Do you think that that matters more because of the stage of program building that Scott Frost is currently in with Nebraska, meaning they're still kind of in the beginning of building yeah. this, right? Versus if this was year nine of Scott Frost, do you think that that matters? Yeah, one hundred percent, one hundred percent.
1: Dennis LeBlanc, I talked to. For a story. He's, he's the director of the, the academic department. Um, and he, he had a comment that really sat with me. He's been at Nebraska in the athletic department for 38 years. So he was around when Tom Osborne was here. He said that he has never seen a team, I'm trying to remember the exact quote, it, it, there, it hasn't been like this in his time here. Like Scott Frost's attention to and emphasis on the stuff outside of football. Dennis told me that it hasn't been like that since he's been in Nebraska. Guys on the team are afraid of letting their coaches down. They're afraid of letting their assistant coach down. They're afraid of letting their head coach down. They don't want to let that guy down. Maybe not necessarily they're living out of fear because they're not going to get yelled at, but they don't want to let those guys down. And I think you can say that about most teams, but it's interesting to hear a guy that's been here for so long say that it has never been to this degree that Scott Frost has it at. And that story that I wrote, I also talked to, the, um, to, to Brett Haskell, who's their director of sports psychology, and just the vibe that I got, the culture within this football team right now is where he wants it. It's where he has talked about trying to get it to for his first two years here. It's where he wants it to be. And I think that's got to have... Because all we've heard for the last two years is that if the culture was in a better spot, they'd be playing better on the field. They'd be able to close out one or two of these games. If the culture's in the right spot, I think that can have an impact on, on the field.
0: So my question is, uh, how much different would it have been if they just went on with normal, normal season, even without all this stuff? Were they on that trajectory to be that together as a team. I don't think so.
1: I think it took seeing Scott Frost. Scott Frost's um, August 10th press conference was, I think, a defining moment in his tenure so far at Nebraska just because of what it showed players and parents. Like, he was impassioned. It wasn't just, we like to play. It was, we are going to play football. We're going to find a way to play football. My players want to play I'm going to find a way to make it happen for him. And I think that that is, I, th- I think that helped a lot. That helped a great deal.
2: So. I, I, th- I think it offered some proof that wasn't available on the field yet for Nebraska. So you think back to UCF, that team went 0-12. Scott Frost and staff, basically the staff at Nebraska now, with a few exceptions, showed up and they won six games. Okay, great. Like it says, hey, you guys weren't zero and and twelve team actually last year. You had more in you. Nebraska didn't have. I mean, they went four and eight, and then they went four and eight again, and then expectations were sky high last year, and they won one more game. Um, And and that's, you know, it wasn't reason to like throw out this era by any means. Um, It wasn't reason to totally ring alarm bells, but it wasn't the way everyone thought. And to have a moment like this where Nebraska has no opt-outs and and some of that's circumstantial, like we all understand that. Um, To have no opt-outs, to be able to get back on the field as early as anyone to constantly praise kind of your approach to doing this safely, which we kind of just have to take everyone's word on it, I think has the opportunity to be a galvanizing effect that Nebraska has been looking for. They've been looking for that moment to, to have that thing that they can like latch onto and say, okay, we're going in the right direction. And this has a chance to be that. And uh, if Derek's spicy take is correct, it will be. This will be that moment.
1: Thank you for saying what I was trying to say in like <laughs> a much better fashion than what I was actually saying. <laughs> it's usually the case. Say, <laughs> okay, that's that, that, what that, that's his job me. as an editor. So. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> um, okay, so I said I want to move on. I, I said at the the beginning of the pod, Brandon is on a computer screen. He is... Behind me, I cannot see him unless I turn around. That's
4: what happens when you, Jacob, and I got this the top spot. Cool, yeah. good for you.
1: Uh, here, so nice. Brandon, you can see everybody. Jump in, Whenever you want to, but you got to raise your hand. Jacob, you are in charge.
0: I can't see the screen. Great, you are in charge. <laughs> okay,
3: I don't you are be, in charge. But I'm, I'm in charge. Okay, I um, can be in charge, but, but I'm not no. going to be. <laughs> 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 Just throw that
1: out there. Okay, so here this is this is where I would like to start. In the books that will be written about this chaotic summer in the Big Ten, crazy last couple months, whatever you want to call it, what should Nebraska's place be in that story? Should it be elevated? Do they are are they deserving of credit? Are they deserving of the most credit for getting Big Ten football back? Or Will the outside world view this more as as the medical landscape changed, the medical advice changed, Big Ten presidents and chancellors were willing to listen, and it doesn't have so much to do with Scott Frost, Ryan Day, James Franklin coming out and applying pressure the way they did? Brandon, I'll start with you.
2: I think the two primary factors in the Big Ten's return – were developments and rapid testing. Yes. Uh, And also public pressure. And I don't know if you get here without both of them. So the public pressure, if we're thinking about a pressure cooker here, was literally the pressure. Like, okay, that forced the Big Ten to think like, man, people really do not like this decision. Okay. Um, Your options at that point are to let that pressure keep, building up and then the pressure cooker just explodes and at that point you're like well it's a pandemic it's not our fault that the pressure cooker exploded or the release valve i think was rapid testing and they both came together at nearly the same time and that allowed the big 10 a a path forward so without those two things i don't think we're here talking about the topic we're talking about today and it's, it's hard to kind of assign to weight those two things, at least for me at this point. But if we're talking 20 or 30 years down the road, you know, history is sort of written by the victors. And I do think Nebraska is perceived as a winner here. And you think about writing a book about this 30 years from now, you'll go back and okay, let's, it's time to drudge up all of those source documents from three decades ago. Well, what do you have? You have the Nebraska players lawsuit. You have, you know, the various tweets, the, the comments from Scott Frost's press conference before the season was even canceled. Like those are the things that people look back to when they're writing books about these things. So I think it's pretty realistic to think that Nebraska will be viewed as a catalyst to this whole thing.
1: Does Ryan Day or James Franklin or either of those two as vocal or outward with criticism of the Big Ten? Scott Frost doesn't have that August 10th press conference. This is opened to any of you.
4: So maybe. The answer I would have for that is maybe. I think it would have just depended, in my opinion, on if somebody else had said something or if there was enough – pressure i i think the word catalyst is right i think frost and his comments were the initial catalyst into everyone else but if you notice it still took ryan day and james franklin some time i think that there needed to be more there needed to be more public pressure there needed to be more for them to um sort of step up and go against the conference because To be fair, this is not how the Big Ten operates. The Big Ten has always been a you fall in line conference. That is is when we've talked about when people like to compare Kevin Warren and Jim Delaney, which I do not like to do. But when they do that, they like to talk about how Jim Delaney ruled with an iron fist and everybody just did what he said. This is this is actively some of the biggest programs in this conference taking a stand against its conference. I think they could have gotten there, but I think by Frost being first, and as a result of that, Frost did take a beating for it. Nebraska Frost took quite a bit of the uh, commentary across the country from people outside of the Big Ten as well. By him sort of taking the initial heat it allowed for others to say all right we're in we can we will talk about this and I think my point is the reason I say maybe is somebody else may have stepped forward had Nebraska not said anything Nebraska just went all in right away that's the that's the thing Nebraska just went all in to start whereas everyone else was kind of well this is not how we do it here this is not what happens in the Big Ten it took a little bit of a coaxing if you will so maybe I think maybe they get there, but I don't know if it would have happened without somebody. And so, in this case, it was Nebraska.
0: And I think it's important to note that this is not—it's not close to over. Um, we still—we still have to see how the season plays out and kind of what the long-term effects are of the decisions we've made here. I think before you can, it's going to take a while before we can truly look back and evaluate and properly place everything that's happened in history and how kind of the season goes is going to um, kind of impact how each actor in kind of um, this sequence is viewed down the line. We are already seeing people clowning Nebraska for fighting so hard to come back and go three and five or two and six or whatever. And while I think that's stupid because regardless of what the the final um, result is going to be, it's important for Nebraska to play to where they are in um, kind of the growth of the program and building us up, just getting those games in regardless of the results is important to keep moving forward. It's so for any team, so exactly. that, that and, but if, <laughs> if Nebraska does go three and five, I'm sure that or two and six or whatever, that, that kind of sentiment is going to carry forward. People are going to keep getting their jokes off down the line and that'll be part of the story. But if Nebraska is able to have a respectable season, if Ohio state goes to the, um, to the CFP and if Ohio state wins a national championship, I think Nebraska is going to be an important footnote in that as kind of, like Aaron said, as the one that got the ball rolling, got everything started that led that made this a possibility. Um, Because if Ohio state, if they win the, the national championship, like that's a huge story. And, Nebraska is an important footnote in that story. If they I, win the
1: national championship, the second that game ends, Scott Frost needs to tweet "You're welcome."
4: <laughs> okay, but nothing
1: I've, else. Just you are welcome.
0: Clay, claim co champions.
1: Okay, I'm, I,
4: ha- I'm I have gonna, to find this. Hold on, really quick. I shared this. It, I think it was like it's taking me a second. Sorry, well, If You I,
3: have
1: I, to find something. Let Greg talk.
3: I've now lost. No, I have not it, lost my point. I'm finishing <laughs> the point, and I think well, it's well, still, it, just, yeah. it just found yeah. his thought. It, it's fine. Go ahead, Jacob. Yeah. I'm just. I found it. God. I'm glad. Yeah. I'm happy for you. It, it's gonna.
0: It's gonna take a while teams. before we know for sure what the right decision to play and not play was, and that's an important part of this as well. I think. So okay.
4: in 2015, when Ohio State <laughs> won the national championship, mm-hmm. Ohio State. I have a graphic. I'll show it with you guys. It says I won this, and the Big Ten says you won this. The Big Ten holds the trophy and goes, "I won this." That is literally the Big Ten, is this exact graphic from 2015.
3: So it's basically the SEC model. Yes. Which maybe now is, is this one is the of Big the things. the Big Ten just
4: taking the trophy and saying, I won this. This is mine. But <laughs> I'm going to share this. This is story notes. I'd like
1: to make that the, like, header image for this <laughs> podcast.
4: I can give it to you and we can at least embed it. <laughs>
1: title of the podcast i won this
4: i won this
3: <laughs> i okay so I'm, I'm gonna go against basically everyone here Oh, ooh, um, ooh. here we go ooh. if ohio state wins the national championship n- no one's going to be talking about nebraska it's going to be ohio state won the national championship and ryan day was the one that started this thing because i think that you're already seeing nebraska get pushed down on this and because and part of it is because penn state in a is also better than Nebraska right now, but Ohio State is one of the premier programs in the entire country and is the top program in this conference. And so they're automatically getting a lot of credit for pushing this forward just by people that kind of observe the Big Ten and kind of a 10,000 foot view. So I don't, I think that Nebraska is a footnote right now in the story that's being written. Um, and they'll get a mention that they helped to start this thing and that there was this thing with the lawsuit and all of that. But I think the way that Nebraska can change that is if Nebraska goes on to be successful. I think that they have to be better. Like, that's why I thought that...
1: Immediately or long-term?
3: Uh, both. <laughs> like, I think that I think in the near future, they need to be better. And that's where I thought Brandon was going to go when he said um, victors get to write history, is that I thought that it, it, Nebraska, if they're winning they get to share in a larger piece of the pie going forward and a larger share of the credit. I don't think that Nebraska is going to get anywhere near the credit that most people think.
1: If they go like 6-2 and this year with a win over either Ohio State or Penn State, like they can say at the end of the year, hey, tell us thank you. I don't think they should do that, first of all, but they they have the ability to do that. Whereas if they go three and five or two and six, then they can't say, I hey, think that that's will be. The,
3: I think that that's what the perception will be. People in this state will, and their that, heads will
1: explode. Yes,
3: that will happen. And, <laughs> I, and I don't think that they're necessarily wrong in that. And I'm not saying I even necessarily agree with that. I just think that that's where we're going. I don't think Nebraska's getting as much credit as people, as they probably deserve, um, because I feel like it's just a lot of oh yeah Nebraska's wacky and they do things really differently and that's why they push so hard. I don't. I just don't think that they're getting the heroes welcome that Ryan Day and Ohio State are.
1: Yeah, I think you're probably right. They're still in that that space where they're a punching bag to people. Because, and by people I mean like folks like Pat Forty like national folks that have a microphone, there's still a punching bag because you can still get punches in and you're not scared of the blowback.
3: Until, uh, if you're Nebraska fans and Nebraska staff, like until they start winning, then it becomes yeah. part of the cool story of, hey, like in your scenario, they go six and two um, and, and beat Penn State. Then it's, oh, yeah, they did that. And to get there, they did X, Y, and Z to really help push this forward. Then it becomes really cool. Okay, let's segue then to scheduling the next topic that I would t- like
1: to talk about. We can take this in any direction you want. We can talk about Black Friday. We can talk about the Dimodome. I hope more people got that reference. We can talk about the championship week games. Um, like I said, we're recording this on a Thursday afternoon. We don't have the schedule yet. Maybe by the time you listen to this, you know what the schedule is. We don't currently know what it is um, at time of recording. And so, we, I mean, we can kind of guess at what it's going to be. I think Purdue's athletic director said Wednesday that they were going to base it off of the original um, pre-COVID-altered nine-game schedule. They're just going to take a game off.
4: And for the record, no Nebraska fan that is listening to this. You are you and your team are not being shafted by whatever is handed to Nebraska on the schedule. Everyone is so convinced. Be. How do you know that? They might be. How do you don't, know? You, do we really think that's the three,
3: three
1: games to choose. You know. Okay, fine. Let's talk about The exactly. three games to choose from. And remember, you're in charge of Brandon if you his out. Name. I can't see him. The <laughs> three games that they can choose from to take off the schedule are Penn State, Ohio State, and Rutgers. Rutgers and Ohio State are both on the road. Penn State's at home. If they take the home game off. Then Nebraska suddenly at three home games and five road games. So you have to pick between Rutgers
3: and Ohio State.
4: Well, yeah, you're going to take and Rutgers off because of like one, just one travel and two uh, Rutgers. Well, television,
3: what, which Bill Moose mentioned yeah, as well. well as even the, Rutgers. I think it was
0: Mitch Sherman that was kind of throwing this out, but Ohio State's the uh, the game that's been... On the crossover schedule, has been locked in. Like that's a game that you play every year over the last cycle or whatever. Yeah,
1: like,
3: that's so the game that, that
1: they're in cycle with right the now. So, so that's why, why
4: you would keep it. is always tough for Nebraska. The original schedule, but, the updated original schedule. No, but schedule. this is the time
1: to get
3: out from under. No, that. But, but what, what but
1: I'm, I'm saying, what I'm saying is. The Big Ten can take Rutgers off of the schedule and say, oh, our TV partners wanted us to do this. Or, oh, we were worried about you guys traveling to New Jersey. Or, oh, we were worried about this, this, and this. And really, they don't have to actually say it's because you guys were a giant pain in the ass this summer and we just wanted to stick it to you.
0: Well, and I'm saying it might not even be a decision where you choose one. It's like, okay, the factors say – Everybody keeps that crossover game, and then you take the, uh, the the home or whichever way is opposite of that. That's what I'm so, saying. So they can hide it. There's well, yeah. and I'm. I'm
4: say, it's they, not a conspiracy. Yeah. It could be. It's not. It, it may be, not even be a
0: discussion uh, decision. Not is what I'm saying is like there's conspiracy. no conspiracy. We don't. Uh, but what I'm saying <laughs> is Big you can't definitively
1: say you. that. You can't definitively say but that because we can't... will never know because they have so many ways that they can hide it. I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but I think that they can
3: absolutely. Brandon has hide such it. a
4: good like reaction right now. To he has not
3: raised his hand yet, though. By the way,
4: no, he's just letting this one go. I,
3: I want Brandon's conspiracy theory.
1: <laughs> he even leaned away from the mic. I was about to ask him if he had thoughts, and he leaned away. He's just gonna get up
4: and leave. <laughs> leave the camera rolling, but get up and physically leave the room.
2: I think. <laughs> I probably most closely align with Jacob. Like there may not be a choice to be made here. Like and I and I haven't looked at it to see how I am the
4: Scott home- Frost of the situation. I originally said that and then Jacob just made it sound better as Ryan Day. <laughs> how dare you side with him? <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, I feel after, your pain. After, Scott after my Ross.
2: initial, after my initial take, I figured I better, I better throw the Ohio state fans a bone mm. because somehow I did pick up some Ohio state followers through, through all of this because yeah, we're, have, we're all together. You pick Hashtag up. bucks. Never tweet. <laughs> wow, Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <true>. exactly. <laughs> Proof of concept. It's working. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, so, I mean, I don't know. I, I would have to go look at all of the schedules and see like, okay, if you just, it, it might just be a home and away thing. Like that's yeah, realistically yeah. kind of the base base camp for this. I think everybody's got to have four on the road. Everybody's got to have four at home. and And maybe that crossover schedule sorts itself out that way.
3: But is there, is there any chance, is there anyone here that believes that there's any chance that they take Ohio State off and leave Rutgers? No. On? No. no.
4: No. And why would you? Nebraska should play Ohio State. Yeah,
0: th- yeah, there's no logical reason to keep Rutgers on and take Ohio State off. Like, no matter how you're looking at it. And That's what I'm saying. They've got...
4: But why? I don't even want that to happen. That,
0: well, I think that like
4: I would rather they play Ohio State.
1: The Big 10 would rather they play Ohio State. TV partners would rather they play Ohio State. Ohio State would rather Nebraska plays Ohio State. Yeah, they can band together before but that's that's all I'm saying. <laughs> they can hide it. That's all I'm saying. And there's no
0: way for us to disprove that because exactly. you're taking <laughs> The logical side, you're hiding behind that. Oh, actually, this is what they want, even if it is the one that makes sense. They want it for a different reason than the logic. And is you're what exactly right,
1: because that. that is their. That's the because they have a crossover game that's in cycle for X number of years, yes. and Ohio State is Nebraska's team right now. Yep. So
3: it's the perfect conspiracy. <laughs> it's great.
2: Here, here's here's an argument for keeping Rutgers on instead of Ohio State, even no, though I, I don't. That that gonna yeah, watch. I was going <laughs> even even though I don't think it'll happen is you're talking about 14 different schedules that have to line up in in various ways. So it could just be a kind of ease of access thing where it's like, okay, if we put Rutgers, Nebraska here, it doesn't cause us problems like eight permutations down the line. That's true. That would kind of be the only way, because I, I agree with Greg, I, I am not in the room, but spiritually I am in the room and that mm-hmm. I also don't think given the pure choice that the Big Ten chooses, Nebraska should play Rutgers instead of Nebraska-Ohio State, a game that almost no matter what Nebraska's record is in that game, and I'm assuming Ohio State's <laughs> record will be good um, no matter what, that's that's a prime time type of game. It was ESPN
1: College Game Day destination last year. Yeah. After Nebraska lost yes. to Colorado. What if like Rutgers we were all just like,
4: doesn't align with anyone on any schedule? Like Rutgers just doesn't they're just like, That's weird. Rutgers just didn't align anywhere. You got
3: you've got your one bye built in. <laughs> the entire season is a
4: bye.
0: <laughs> so I'll believe the conspiracy theory if they have to tear up the entire schedule, start over, and then put like the ten, the eight toughest teams.
3: No, then they'll add Michigan. If they're going like, off yeah. of
1: yeah. if they're going off of the original one, I don't and this is like not looking at the other thirteen schedules, it shouldn't be as difficult to just take a game away, right? Yeah. Like, no, this ready. should I think that's not, what in we're theory on. yeah,
3: it should not be that It should difficult, be difficult. But I, I, the thing that just keeps sticking with me and the reason why I kind of I wanted to talk about this anyway is because with Bill Moose continuing to say the thing about it needs to be fair and equitable um but it, it just made me think like he really wants to try to avoid having his team play both Ohio State and Penn State in his and cro- their crossovers considering you're going to have Northwestern play probably two easy crossovers, or maybe like Purdue or something like that, whereas it seems like they, far and away, will have the toughest crossovers. Like, And I think that that's something that Moose will be in the room fighting for when you just look at it, listed out, and that's just that portion of it in a vacuum because, of course, all the schedules have to match up and there's all sorts of other considerations, who's on the cycle and all of that. He's, but it will be a tough pill to swallow. He's also going to fight for
1: Iowa on Black Friday, which if – like I wrote this Thursday morning, if they just take the original schedule and just slide it into the new calendar slots that they have, Iowa naturally falls into Thanksgiving weekend so they can very easily make it a Black Friday game. And that's without reorganizing anything on Nebraska's schedule. I don't know if that's what they're going to do. I don't know if they're going to do any reorganizing of schedules across the league. But if they just take the schedule and just slot it in. So, like, originally my thought was Bill Moose is going to have to either A, fight to keep Rutgers on the schedule because he doesn't want Ohio State and Penn State, or B, fight for Iowa on Black Friday because I don't think he's going to get both. Because throughout this entire process, it's been Nebraska making concessions. And, and he talked about that a little bit Wednesday when he, he used the phrase deal breaker. Ronnie Green used the phrase, we have accepted these stipulations. Like, it seems like they have made – concessions that they wouldn't normally be okay with but they did it so that they can have the ultimate goal like the ultimate goal for them is playing and if that means they can either have Rutgers on their schedule or they can have Iowa as a Black Friday game I wonder which one is more important I would like to ask you guys about the like modified championship week this should just be a thing every year right (laughs)
4: I do like it. it
0: it's very interesting. Um, I guess one thing is you've got the, the crossover. Do you really want to line up rematches for everybody? How, how consistent or uh, would kind of rematches be in that um, situation? Like Obviously, we get the Big Ten Championship will occasionally be a rematch um, because of crossover games. But for the most part now, we're going to have everybody playing. So the, the chance for rematches of the same teams during the season will go up significantly. Is that something you want? Um, I don't know, but th- that is definitely, I'm, I'm kind of, dem- I'm definitely looking forward to it this year and this kind of one special season to kind of see what it looks like and the matchups it produces. Um, but I'm not sure it's something that they want to, they would want to do every year, especially cause the, um, I think they like having the kind of certainty of everything locked in. So now you, you're scheduling games. Like we don't even know where these games are being played yet. Um, these extra games. So there's still kind of a Goals. lot up in the air. Yeah, and that's one of the things we're looking at. And then obviously, some the the, the better record team hosting is up in the, like they're still trying to figure that out. I think they prefer to have everything uh, scheduled, locked in stone every year. Um, but this year is certainly unique, and they got to do whatever they can to make
3: a season happen.
4: I just am really looking forward to the two bottom teams.
3: Like, you should cover that, like, ferociously. Like, just to, like, I'm give really them, excited. like, a big, you know what I mean? Seven, <laughs> like big...
4: seven versus seven. Yeah. I'm actively engaged in this game, and I don't even know who they are, but would I have a pretty good idea.
1: Would that be, like, third string <laughs> versus, versus fourth string? Like, would there be any incentive for those teams to play starters in those games? If you...
4: Just punt a lot.
3: The Big if 10 we give them trophy, I
1: think I think what you should do is you should take the Big Ten trophy and then just like minimize it a little bit each time. So like the two versus two gets a, a slightly smaller version of the Big Ten title game trophy. Three versus three gets a slightly smaller version of that, and then so on and so forth down the line. So like seven versus seven, whoever wins that game gets like a paperweight to sit on their desk.
4: Or it could be like in the movie Mean Girls, where at the end where she takes the crown and breaks it up in pieces for everyone, they can just keep breaking the trophy into larger pieces and just throw them to the crowd.
3: Then we'd hear even more about like participation trophies and everybody getting a ribbon.
0: Didn't we already try a broken trophy? Yeah, I mean, this is. What happened to that trophy?
4: Seriously, where is it? The original one, too, not the remade terrible one. I want the one with Bo Plini's face on the bottom.
3: But I also, on this, I don't want them... Like, like this is going to sound bad. I don't want them hosting like the higher seed team gets to host the game. Like I want it to be at a different site. Like, is it, it, since it's unique and different fun anyway, presumably fun, um, let's just blow it out and make it either. I know Barry Alvarez had mentioned something about, like, bowl sites. But now, since they'll be eligible for them, they're, they probably aren't going to be able to do that. But if they could find, like, NFL domes or something. Like Ford Field in Detroit. Yeah, like, US something. Stadium, just make it something unique. Because, yeah, I do think that that would make it a, a little bit more or spicy.
4: North Dakota has a dome. Just do random domes like that.
3: Or do that? Yeah, pick yeah, really Brandon, Which ones. I know this Brandon is would be
4: in on you, that. Yeah. <laughs> yes.
2: You've got seven games to play. <laughs> all so at North Dakota's at- dome. <laughs> Probably not all. <laughs> it's like um, no, not all. <laughs> but you could do an early and late doubleheader Wednesday night, Thursday night, Friday night, one game on Saturday, which is the Big Ten championship game. That gives you a lot of. uh Airtime for the Big Ten Conference over four days. Um, there's there's some upside here.
3: Yeah.
2: I like it. I
1: think it should should be a thing every single year. Um, let's move on. Let's close. I would I would like to ask you guys football related topics.
4: I am ready for this one
1: that you are most looking forward to being able to talk about. We no All longer right. have to talk about medical procedures. I mean, we're gonna have to because it's gonna come up. But like now, we can get back to. Talking about the offensive line. We're talking about who's gonna play wide receiver. We're talking about where does Nadab Joseph fit in
4: with their secondary?
1: What are we most excited to talk about from a football standpoint? The floor is open. Whoever wants to go first, please go first.
4: When will the black shirts be handed Dang out? It, God.
3: God, I wasn't ready for that because I was looking at Brandon to see if he raised his hand. See, I was trying to stay on my job. Oh. On the tip of my tongue and she just beat me to it.
1: Is that it?
4: Yeah, that's all. I just want to talk about the black shirts. Me
3: too.
2: I want to know if the away (laughs) alternate black shirts uniform is in play for this year. I know that was part of the plans (laughs) pre-pandemic. You guys are boring. talk about
3: things that I hadn't thought about The way they look. I
2: thought we were going to
1: have a conversation about X's and O's.
2: I want to know who's who's running the football behind presumably Dedrick Mills. Mm -hmm. Because we've we've talked about it always. It's a football truism. I think it's particularly true at Nebraska. How well can they run the football? They didn't run it well last year for the most part. And they did not have the season that a lot of people they didn't have they they did not approach the ceiling that I thought last year's team had. Is that better? And I don't and you can't get there by just giving the ball to Dedrick Mills ninety percent of the time
3: mine is actually related to that and it's how good can this offensive line be and how quickly like we've seen them i i would say both years in particular year 1 of frost the offensive line get a lot better as the year went on we saw them have some nice Um, rushing games later in the season, particularly that Wisconsin game, though. It's just so interesting. I think Nebraska's offensive style just matches up really well with Wisconsin's defense. I think that's part of why you see that. Um, But how good can this offensive line be right away and then within that, like, the Bryce Benhart experience beginning? Like, I I know, like, I feel like Greg Austin wants to keep, like, kind of going back and forth and toe on the line, not anoint him and all that, but come on, man, get real. Like, he's starting. So I want to see that and I want to see how good the offensive line is because that's going to, I think, determine how good that running rushing attack is, but then also open up the rest of the offense as well because it will make your quarterback a lot more comfortable as well.
4: I am excited to to piggyback off of the line thing. I would say also the defensive line, just seeing what what that group is going to look like since two of them are on active rosters. So their their defensive line from 2019, two of them are on active rosters, Uh, this fall one's on a practice squad in the NFL. So, I mean, pretty good group. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how they, they, we've, we've been trying to get information from Tony Tuioti for a while now, and he's told us a little bit about his group, but you just don't know until you see it in action. So it'll be good to, good to see that. Also, if anyone watches TikToks and I know Derek does, have you seen the trend of people going like catapulting off of that comment? Um, hurtling myself off of a cliff from that comment and they just keep making it more intense so I thought of that when I said I was piggybacking <laughs> off of your is
3: comment. that what you
1: were looking up on your phone no I but thought I it should. was very hilarious that we finally get to football conversation you say black shirts and then you dip yeah, <laughs> started watching TikTok, <laughs> yeah.
3: but on the like to quickly dig into the defensive line thing I was <laughs> to quickly, talking to quickly and
4: intentionally dig yeah. into this topic and yeah. catapult myself off the mountain. God,
3: I wish I thought of that. <laughs> um, Derek and I were talking about this on the drive up. Is that the defensive line thing? I think. Oh, don't I, steal my I, thing. I was. Don't steal my thing. I should do not. It. Should don't I not say it? it?
1: Are you going to talk defensive line or are you going to talk the back end? Because the back no, end no, no. is defensive, my thing. Line. No, 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 defensive No, I know All that, right.
3: so I'm going to let that All go. Right. No, the defensive line to me is, is a spot where, like, we're like, hey. Then I think the general consensus is this. and know this is not a shot at anyone. That hey, like. We don't know what we're going to get from them. Like We'll see what happens. But if you think about it, they have guys that have played a lot yes. of snaps there, right? So you've got Damian Daniels, mm-hmm. Ben Stilley, DeAndre Thomas That's a solid three that play the three positions yep. that have played a lot of football. Then you have guys behind them that you're kind of excited about. You're Ty Robinsons, um, Jordan Riley, who you've heard a lot of good things about. Keem Green now kind of gets forgotten about, even though he had a lot of promise last year. You forgot about Feldaria's pain on the drive up here i forgot yeah. him twice um then there's casey rogers and then that's before what what do you get from tate wildeman coming off of injury and they love masai Newsom and what he's been doing behind the scenes so like there's a lot of guys there and i probably still forgot someone even mentioning all of that
0: well and, yeah, and that's that's something that i always kind of point out is people yeah you lose all three starters to uh the nfl so uh just on its surface, that looks really bad. Defensive line is going to be a weakness or whatever. But those backups have more snaps under their belt than at almost any other position on the team. Um, ben Stilley was basically a 4 starter last year. Yeah. Um, he two years ago, um, I think it was. He was their best defensive line or one of their best defensive line, at least one of their most disruptive defensive linemen. So now you got him playing. Uh, full-time role again you've got those other guys um, still have to prove exactly how big of a role they can play but they have played a lot those guys are a little bit more proven than guys at outside linebacker or some of the other positions uh, even some of the offensive linemen that are trying to take in starting lineup so um, I think that is definitely a good point and worth remembering when you talk about that defensive line group is these guys do have experience
4: and I don't want to say that I thought that they I'm just saying because it is a new line in the sense of like it's just going to look different. It'll just be interesting to see how it works. Mm-hmm. Who who's he be rotates? Eight man
1: rotation. How? how yeah, does like
3: that work? who gets counted? Like who's? Yeah, somebody's going to have to be left out. But then also, there's kind oh, of the yeah. the X factor. Sorry, the X factor of now you have more of the body types that they would have recruited or have recruited um, to the group. Like there's just a lot of intrigue, I think, in that in that unit. You know. And I since nobody else has mentioned it
0: here, I think we got to mention the quarterback. And I think. This year, which one? Yeah, yeah oh, like, uh, no, uh, don't do that. Uh, I went conspiracy. You can't why come uh, have that <laughs> Because it's quarterback position. Um, and assuming good health,
1: all in agreement that he's going to
0: have a better year.
4: Which yeah. one? Oh my god,
0: yeah. go away. No, that, 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 that's <laughs> go my point. That's what I'm trying to make here. Is we're going? I think this year will tell us who Adrian Martinez is, unless uh, like assuming good health or at least good enough health, like nobody ever gets through a football season, totally healthy, but assuming good health, I think we're going to see what kind of quarterback Adrian Martinez really is and what he can be. Um, now he's moving into his third year in the system. He's got some, some successes, some struggles under his belt. He's got two years studying the playbook, learning, um, improving, uh, his technique, working with Verdu. So, There's no excuses left, and now hopefully the offensive line is good. He's got experience up front there and a combination of experience and talent because if the the new guys are coming in, it's because they beat out the guys in front of them. So he should have a better line than he has had. He should have different kind of receivers than he has. Obviously, losing J.D. Spielman hurts a lot. That's a guy that he had a a real good connection with, trust in. But you've got more receivers now that he can actually throw the ball to that he can – uh, using different situations where it's not all five nine guys out there run, uh, all slot receivers playing every position so you, he's got some bigger receivers he's got those tight ends can he incorporate those tight ends that'll show another kind of uh, uh, point of progression for him is he hasn't really been great at getting through uh, progressions and involving all his receivers And that's uh, for the recruiting efforts, for the development of their offense, that tight end role has to play a a big role. And I think that's as much on Martinez as anybody else in that offense and his ability to find them and understand what situations I got to go to these guys here. They can be a real weapon here. So I think we're going to be able to learn this year. Is Martinez a dynamic guy we saw as a freshman or is he the guy that everybody caught up to and um, isn't able to beat defenses that we saw last year. So I think we'll have a lot. Uh, we'll have those uh, questions answered this year um, because there should be no excuses for him this year.
3: Well put. Really well put. Can can but, we get yours?
1: Oh, um, <laughs> to, to jump in a spaceship and blast off from Greg's point to a to a new topic. Yes. Uh, um, thank
0: you. Yes.
4: I, I think
1: we talked about this in the car right up here. And the more I talked about it, the more invested I got in the idea. You
3: were very fired up.
4: <laughs> Fired up.
1: It feels like Nebraska's defensive backs, cornerbacks, safeties are are more exciting, maybe, more intriguing, more talented, maybe, than their outside linebackers. So should they just get weird with their defense? <laughs> like Iowa State when Matt Campbell got there, they ran like this 3-3-5 hybrid thing where they had three safeties on their back line and the middle safety played between the two levels and did a lot of stuff for them. Like I kind of, I kind of talked around this topic a little bit with Eric Janander last year leading into the season of just having the ability to play positionless football because of the way like Travis Fisher cross trains his guys. And, And you had made this comment, Greg in the drive, like, Because of that, they have cornerbacks and safeties who aren't afraid to hit dudes. They have safeties that come down and play linebacker. Like Cam Taylor Britt last year played a little bit of outside linebacker, and he played some safety, and Boodle played a little bit of safety. If you have, and and this is the way I I kind of approach the conversation with you, Greg, as I asked you, who are you more excited about, Miles Farmer or Caleb Tanner? And if you have to think about it, or, or your gut reaction is to go, well, maybe Miles Farmer. Should you try to do something where you're getting your defensive backs on the field because you have um, some versatility and and you don't have the same body type at, at defensive back that, that maybe that they had previously or when they first got here, they have the ability to maybe do some weird stuff with their defense. And like, if they get a pass rush from Ty Robinson or Ben Stilley on the defensive line, it makes it a little bit easier to do this. If if JoJo Delman is a consistent contributor, a consistent like havoc creator, it makes it a little bit easier to do this. I just wonder if because of all of the bodies they have at defensive back, like Boodle, excuse me, Cam Taylor, Britt, your... Markel Desmuke, Deontay Williams, Miles Farmer, Nadab Joseph, yeah. Quentin Newsom, Noah Pola Gates, Braxton Clark, like I just wonder if maybe. You shouldn't just try to get as many of those guys on the field as you can instead of saying we got to get X, Y, and Z out of Caleb Tanner. And if he's not there, like Garrett Nelson, you better be ready.
0: I think it's definitely an interesting question. And um, it's 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 going to be up to Eric Chenander and how he feels about how the players fit into what he's asked to do. Because obviously you're not going to completely change your defense on the fly. Um, they have their defense. They've I'm not been working. talking about changing. I'm just no. saying, get, get yeah. a,
1: little, a little bit more multiple with it.
0: Yeah, I, for sure. But like you've, you've, uh, I mean, you got to be able to coach to what you're practicing, and suddenly moving a guy and, um, kind of what that does to your defense in other spots and how it kind of strengthens and uh, compromises your defense. And like you said, it'll depend a lot on some of those other guys up front. Um, that could be a way for you to kind of minimize your inside linebackers being picked on in coverage is basically making your inside linebackers kind of more your edge setters and put a couple more DBs out there and um, try to make it tougher to get those matchups. Um, That would um, require those uh, linebackers to really do a great job of setting the edge, holding holding their gaps against the run, all that kind of stuff. There's definitely a lot you can um, play around with that. I guess it would just depend on kind of how those players fit into what – Chenander knows and what he, how he knows to coach it. Like, and that's kind of the thing. Um, you you can't, you need to adjust to your players, but you also need to do what you do well. Um, and what you can teach well and what the players have learned to this point. So you can't completely abandon, um, what you've been working on and try something completely different, but you also do have to have that flexibility to at least try it and see, Hey, how can we use these guys maybe a little bit different than we've been thinking about? So it's definitely something worth looking at. And I think, uh, Nadab Joseph is kind of one of the, the bigger X factors on this team before he got here and joined the team. I think we we felt pretty good about that secondary and kind of how it looked like you have, um, Boodle and, um, uh, Taylor Britt at the corners. You've got, um, uh, Williams and um, uh, and Dismuke at safety, so you kind of got your four, and then you had um, uh, Braxton Clark and Quentin uh, Newsom. and Quentin Newsome as kind of the, those those next guys battling to get in there when you're in your nickel and all that kind of stuff. So you had that kind of set. You felt good about that. Now you plug in uh, you plug in uh, Joseph there, and that's a guy. Is he good enough to start right away? And if he is, what does that what impact does that have on? Uh, Taylor Britt's role. Do you, you can kind let of, Cam yeah.
1: have that Rover role then? It, and, and to your point, maybe it's probably not the, the best off season to be making sweeping yeah. changes like that.
3: Or um, also what, maybe it's the the was it? Perfect perfect yeah. Wait <laughs> a second. Or was it though? Because you had, in theory, you've had extra time where you've been kind of in install mode. So maybe it was, I just think it's going to be really interesting to see how they manage the defense because
1: maybe we all in agreement that the strength of it is in the secondary and, and, you know, then your linebackers are so-so, and then your defensive line you're just really not weak, yeah. but you're just you don't know what you're going to get from them. So if if you got a ton of guys in the secondary, I just wonder what they're going to do to try to massage that and get as many get
0: get the eleven best players onto the field. And yes. It also depends on who you're playing. It could be a week to week thing where yeah. um, it's going to yeah, be tough play. to play a bunch of DBs against Wisconsin. Wisconsin, yeah, you're yeah. not going to do a three three five against them.
3: But there's also the thing is I think we you have to kind of separate the inside and outside backer situation too because hmm. I think the inside linebacker situation is a much better spot and much deeper than the outside linebacker spot so what do you do with some of those guys um so Bob Mago Clements or Nick Henrich that's knocking on the door to try to compete with Colin and Will like what do you do there like there's a lot th- there's good depth there too that you got to try to figure out how to play just run a three two six <laughs> do it just, just go all in <laughs> dial it up go all in
1: Does anybody have any thoughts that they want to, or things that they want to get to that that we didn't get to?
4: Just curious when the black shirts are going to be handed out. (laughs) Soon. Very first question. Hey, Scott. Thanks Thanks for for doing doing this. Thanks for
0: doing this. So, real quick, on the release, did they mention uh, family potentially being allowed at stadiums? Uh, but not opening up to the public? Uh, I
1: thought they did. Sandy Barber said that in the, okay. the BTN interview.
0: So how would that factor into the sellout streak if there are people allowed in the stadium?
1: It would continue because it, those tickets were, well, I guess those they're tickets not weren't sold. sold.
0: Yeah.
4: I think this year doesn't really probably exist.
0: And how many how many family are allowed in? What What happens if they don't use up every single family ticket?
1: This is like priority two hundred and sixty nine <laughs> right now. Well,
0: we've been talking for like an hour and fifteen minutes here, so um, just I just feel like we're
1: deep. Down. I, we feel hit, like oh. I feel like we've covered a lot we of hit stuff today. The black today, shirts, so gotten, and, yeah. And you just want to make sure we get sellout into. Oh yeah, of
0: course. Okay. What the, what else is on the bingo card? I mean, we kind of Brent's? talked. We, we kind of <laughs> talked about the quarterback battle. Um, Instead it's yeah. I mean, not going to be a battle, but
4: virtual fan day.
1: And Brandon brought up alternate uniforms, so we yeah. had that one too. The music at the stadium ton of walk.
3: There we go. I was getting there. There was Let's there. what, what is that so going to exactly, look like? Yeah, There's some corn so in this weird. house. That actually is <laughs> There's some corn in this house.
4: And with that?
1: We'll be back next week with another podcast. In the meantime, keep reading hillvarsity.com Thank you everybody for being here. This just fun. Thank you. All right. Well, thanks You're Greg welcome. for being here. <laughs> we'll be back next week with another podcast. Thanks guys.